Good evening. So um, I'd like to begin by telling you about one of my favorite series of books when I was a kid, and that is the Asterix books. And um, I don't know if anyone else was into Asterix. I was really into Asterix. And um, first slide, thank you very much. It's got Asterix on it. Um, there, there he is. And um, if you don't know Asterix, a little rundown of the Asterix stories for you. Uh, the Roman Empire had invaded all of Gaul, most of what we now call France, and had completely occupied it, apart from one small village which still held out against the invaders. And that was Asterix's little village. And um, one of the reasons they could fight the Romans and, and resist the occupiers was because, uh, well, because of their community, their guile, their cunning, uh, and their, their solidarity together as a tribe, but mainly because they had the magic potion. And the magic potion was brewed by, brewed by their druid, Getafix, who, knew, who was the only person who knew the secret formula. And um, what would happen is that if the village was attacked by the Romans or the pirates, then um, he would brew his magic potion and the villagers would drink the potion and find they had superhuman strength for as long as the effects of the potion uh, lasted. What happened to Asterix? Asterix often went out on adventures uh, and that's what all the different books were. So what he would do is Getafix would give him a little gourd, which he had on his belt, and it was full of magic potion. And so when he went out, whether he went off to Corsica or off to Britain or off to America or wherever he went, he would have this gourd of potion. If he came across some um, barbarians or some Romans or some pirates, he would take a swig of his magic potion, he'd get the power, and then he'd be able to defend them. He had a friend called Obelix. And Obelix, uh, if you know the stories, didn't need the magic potion because uh, Obelix fell into the cauldron of magic potion when he was a baby. And so I was thinking about this this week. It struck me the first time in 50 years that um, Obelix, if you keep the picture up a little bit longer, I think that'd be good. It's a great picture of Obelix. Um, he, he, um, did he not get burnt when he fell in the cauldron of the magic potion? I was worried about Obelix. He must have scars as well as... Anyway, the reason that he doesn't need, because he fell in the cauldron as a baby, he... Um, he has always got superhuman strength. So he doesn't need to take the gourd with him. He doesn't need get a fix. He's always powerful. We're going to come back, and it'll all make sense why I want to talk about Asterix and Obelix this evening. Now, tonight what we do, as Rob said, we're going to start a new series on prayer. And uh, it's suitable because at the moment we're talking about Thy Kingdom Come. That's the global prayer event, and we prayed on Thursday night for that. And um, so it's quite suitable that, uh, and appropriate that we're starting this now. And we're going to look at a whole range of different aspects or ways of praying so that we, over the next sort of nine weeks with a few gaps, we can understand prayer better and hopefully be better as a praying community and as praying individuals. Here are the topics we're going to look at. We're going to look at confession. We're going to look at the tricky subject of unanswered prayer. We're going to look at Holy Spirit prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We're going to look at prayers of lament. We're going to look at prayers of blessing and we're going to look at prayers of intercession. Those are only a snapshot. There are another 50 ways we could pray, but we don't want to talk about prayers for the next... Well, we could talk about prayer for next year, I suppose. But um, those are the ones we're going to focus on this term. And prayer is so varied, and so, if I'm honest, is my perception of my own prayer life. When I got ordained, uh, the Bishop of Salisbury said to me, Mark, when you're ordained, uh, I suspect your prayer life will greatly improve. And I'm still waiting nine and a half years later for his, his words of wisdom to come true. 
But when I look at a list like that, um, I think, and, and I suspect some of you are like that too. You look at a list, we have the list back up, thanks. We, have the, we, we look at the, the list like that, sorry, the list we had before, thank you. And, and I look at some of those and I go, sometimes I look at a list like that and I go, I'm actually really good at prayer, okay? So I look at, for example, the Lord's Prayer, and actually I use the Lord's Prayer a lot because it's words I know, it's familiar. I use the word Lord's Prayer a lot when I'm walking or whatever. And then I look at, yeah, I'm good at that. And then I look at things like Holy Spirit prayer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually quite good at prayer. I often use the gifts of the Spirit in my prayer life and, and whatever, and that's fine. But then other times, I think I'm rubbish at prayer. And I've, if I'm really honest, I am rubbish at prayer. Prayers of intercession, I am really bad at prayers of intercession. I, I just don't, I just, just, it, I'm just poor at that, okay? And I should be better at that. But I'm not very good at prayers of intercession. I don't think I'm really good at prayers of lament either. I don't really, it's not part of my prayer life. Prayers of confession, I probably could do better. So I don't know where you are. Give yourself a quick, um, quick self-check. How's your prayer life? On a scale of 0 to 10, are you, are you 10 out of 10 in your prayer life? Or are you 0 to 10 in your prayer life? If you're honest with yourself, is there one of those that you think, yeah, yeah, I'm really good at prayer? And is there one of those you go, actually, I'm rubbish at prayer? I suspect all of us have some good things, but generally we probably don't feel that we do very well at prayer. So the aim of the next sermon series, this sermon series, is to improve all of our prayer lives, including my own. Now, whichever one of those you find the most easy, the most comfortable, perhaps the hardest challenge about prayer, and it's one that I find hard and I want to focus on this evening, comes from Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians. And he says this, Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray continually. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Pray continually continually. I think that is the hardest or one of the hardest challenges when it comes to our prayer life. Unceasingly pray. Never stop praying. Always keep on praying. I suspect there's one or two people in here who have mastered this, but I haven't, and I suspect lots of us haven't. This is a massive challenge. Now, Paul, I think, really um, lived this out. So we see throughout his letters, there's lots of examples I could have chosen. He practices what he preaches. Uh, Romans 1, 9 to 10. God is my witness how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. Timothy 2, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 3. I thank God night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. So Paul's instruction here was from a man who lived what he believed. Pray continually. But what does this actually mean? We can't literally walk, walk around permanently saying the Lord's Prayer. We can't walk around every minute of the day confessing our sins. We can't walk around always interceding for a trouble spot in the world. We can't do that. So what does it actually mean? Well, um, this is where looking at the original language can really help. So again, on the screen, we've got the Greek word. And the word for continually is adialeptos, okay? And the reason it's important to look at this word is because this word is made up of three little words. And the three little words are a, or a, which means not, dia, which means across, and leptos, which comes from a word meaning to leave. So the sense of this is, is that we shouldn't leave anything across. In other words, there shouldn't be any unnecessary gaps between our prayers. 
And I think it's this word unnecessary that's really helped me as I've tried to understand this. We shouldn't leave unnecessary gaps between our prayers. Now, of course, there will be times where you can't pray. I'm not actually praying now. I'm too busy. You can't pray when you're at school in a lesson being taught something. If you, I mean, you can pray in your heads, but you should be focusing on what you're learning. You can't pray when you're serving your customers in the shop that you work in. You can't, or you can do in your head, but most of the time you're distracted. You can't literally pray all the time. But I think there's a huge challenge here. There shouldn't be any unnecessary gaps. And if I'm honest and I assessed my prayer life, there are unnecessary gaps. There will be huge gaps between some prayers and the next prayers. Again, a little self-reflection. How big are the gaps between your prayers? And are those gaps necessary because you're asleep or because you're chatting with someone? Or are they unnecessary because you haven't been bothered or it's just not in your mind to do it? So that is the huge challenge for this evening that Paul sets out. We should pray without unnecessary gaps between our prayers. Two things I want to just look at. First of all, these are important questions. What does this look like? What does this actually look like for us? And secondly, why? Why is Paul bothered about this? Why is he modeling this? So those are the two questions we're going to answer quickly together. First of all, what does this look like? And to help us think about this, I would like to look at a guy called Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection, who lived in the 17th century in France, and he was a lay brother in a monastery. And he taught us much, I think, about what this means to pray continually. Here's some quotes from one of his famous books, which was called Practicing the Presence of God. He says this, prayer is nothing else than a sense of God's presence. There is something about a consciousness of being in God's presence every moment of the day. And if you think of prayer like that, then I think we can begin to see how we might be able to do it non-stop without unnecessary gaps. He then went on to say this, and this is going to be a great encouragement to those of you like me who look at the list and think, I can't do this. He says this, I have abandoned all particular forms of devotion, all prayer techniques. Now, I just want to say one thing here about that. Prayer techniques are not bad. Prayer techniques are the tools we use to improve our prayer life. So when we look at the Lord's Prayer next week or we look at prayers of lament later on, these are all tools which will be helpful. But he basically was, was saying it's not about the technique. The technique are only the things which will help us. And he's abandoned these particular forms. And he went on to say, my only prayer practice is attention. I carry on a habitual, silent, and secret conversation with God that fills me with overwhelming joy. Now, that is such a challenge. He goes on a little bit to outline what this might look like, what this attention might look like. He says, God does not ask much of us. He says, merely a thought of him, a little of an act of adoration, asking for his grace, offer him your sufferings, thank him for the graces in the past. Do it during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will be pleasing to him. You don't need to cry out very loudly. He is, loud, he is nearer to us than we think. And one of my best bits about Brother Lawrence is that he reduced it to the very, very mundane. And he talks about cooking an omelette. And he says, I turn my little omelette in the pan for the love of God. 
I cook quite a lot of omelets, and I can't say that I do it for the love of God. I think he goes on to say, I can't quite remember the quote, and I couldn't find it, but he goes on to say, when I've, when I've made my omelet, I then prostrate myself on the floor to thank God that he's given me the grace to make it and the resources to cook it. But I love that attitude. That is about saying that every minute, even the mundane, making an omelet can be a moment where you are connecting with the presence of God. And that is prayer. I turn my little omelet in the pan for the love of God. I think that's quite a challenge, but I'd love to invite us as a congregation, as a community here, to try to see if we can grow in that over the next nine weeks. Can we get better at that? Praying, seeing, viewing prayer as being in the presence of God, even when you're just cooking an omelet. So that's the, sec- that's the first question. How, does, how might we do that? Secondly, why is this important? Um, when we were praying beforehand, I had, had a little picture, and I didn't, I didn't share it because I think I'm just going to share it now. Um, if, you, if you've ever played noughts and crosses, when you're a kid, you play noughts and crosses. But if you're, if you're um, just not too stupid, you, you realize pretty soon that actually noughts and crosses, you should, it's quite easy to always win or at least never lose at noughts and crosses. There are some of you are like, is it? Oh, I always lose. It's basically not difficult to draw noughts and crosses. If you know the strategy, no matter where someone else starts, you can always block them enough, and the very worst that will happen is you'll draw. In fact, it's a pretty boring game, really, because actually most, if you play with a good player, noughts and crosses will always end up as a draw. And I, th- I think, I'm not quite sure what I was thinking about this, but I, th- I, I think I was thinking that you know, prayer is like a nought. It's not like this at all. But the, the, I'm stretching the metaphor in my head as I preach. But the, the idea is that that, um, that noughts and crosses, you always win, or at least you don't lose, no matter what the other person does. And I think prayer is a bit like that. You can't lose if you pray. You can't lose if you pray. And sometimes it might, you might draw, but sometimes you might win. And, and, and it doesn't matter where other people start with their crosses. Your noughts will always help, will always defend, will always give you the advantage, will always lift your game. And, and it's just, and maybe just we need to just be better at just doing this prayer thing because we'll find increasingly that we won't lose if we're praying more. We won't lose. Why is it important? Well, If you read around this short verse in Thessalonians, what you see is Paul isn't just isolating in this. He's not just saying this one verse in isolation. What he's doing is actually setting it into a context which is hugely challenging. Let me tell you some of the challenges that he he is giving to the Thessalonian church and to us. So, for example, in verse 11, he tells the church to encourage one another. He tells them to build each other up. And then it gets more serious. It gets more intense. He talks about trying to live in peace with one another, verse 13. Verse 14, he tells about warning those people who are idle and disruptive. He says we should encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everybody, make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, verse 15. Always strive to do what is good. I'm just reading that thinking maybe that's what a vicar should be doing on those, uh, that day they work on a Sunday. Live in peace, warn those who are idle, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everybody, always strive to do what is good. 
How are you doing on that? Give yourself a little assessment of that too. How are you on always striving to do what is good? How are you doing on always being patient, helping the weak? How are you doing in living in peace, encouraging the disheartened? And then, as we've already seen in verse 16 and 17 and 18, he makes it even harder and he throws this challenge out. Verse 16, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, give thanks and rejoice. I, just, I, find, that, I find that harder than the pray continually one, really. Because life doesn't really create the context for us to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances, doesn't it? Life's not like that. But that is what Paul is saying. And that is why I think he says, pray continually. Because if you want to learn the secret, the secret of rejoicing always is to pray continually or pray without unnecessary gaps. If you want to learn the secret of giving thanks in all circumstances, learn to pray without unnecessary gaps. If you want to live in peace, if you want to encourage the disheartened, learn to pray without unnecessary gaps. If you want to help the weak, if you want to be patient, and if you want to strive to do what is good, learn to pray with unnecessary gaps gaps, without unnecessary gaps. And this is where I come back to the beginning, and I close it with, go back to this little village in Gaul, which is still holding out against the invaders. You see, I want to ask you, uh, set you a little challenge. Are you one of the villages in Asterix's village, villagers in, one, in Asterix's village? Or are you like Asterix? Or are you like Obelix? You see, and I, the magic potion is our prayer life. The magic potion is the prayer life, is the thing which will sustain us through the times of difficulty, through the times of attack, through the times of trial, through the struggles and the strains of life. It is our prayer that will sustain us. The villagers only took the magic potion when there was a crisis, when they were being attacked by the Romans or the pirates, which is good, and God is always gracious, but prayer, Paul says, pray continually, not just when the trials come, not just when you're attacked, not just when the Romans are invading. Asterix was better than the villages. At least he knew that he had to take prayer with him. He knew that he carried it with him on his belt. But again, he only took it when the emergency came, when the challenge came, when the difficulties came. And he relied on it a lot more than the villagers did, but he still, it was a take it or leave it kind of thing. And I wonder if you're like Asterix. Don't be like Asterix. Be more obelix. Be so soaked in continual prayer without leaving unnecessary gaps that you don't need the magic potion because you're so filled with the Spirit of God and you're so understanding what it means to be in His presence every day that you always turn to that and have that strength when the troubles come. So that's the challenge for the next nine weeks, give or take. Be more obelix, play more noughts and crosses, pray without leaving unnecessary gaps. Let's stand. We're going to close with some more worship. Before we do that, um, 
I just want us to just wait on the Holy Spirit for a moment because God is so good because he sets out these challenges for us through his word and through these people like Paul who write these challenging things. And he doesn't say, just get on with it, try harder. He says, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, which will equip you. So we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. And if you want to be better, not better, it's a horrible word. If you want to learn what it means to pray without unnecessary gaps, then can I invite you to do the symbol of holding, make the statement by holding your hands out as a gesture, just a gesture, a posture of saying, God, I want to be better at praying. I want to know what it means to be in your presence even when I'm cooking an omelette. I want to know what it means to never leave unnecessary gaps between my prayers, even if I find it hard. And I want to be so full of that understanding of prayer that when the difficulties come, I don't need to suddenly turn to you. I'm there already with you. So let's hold our hands out as a gesture of wanting that, if you want that. And I pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us again this evening. Thank you, Jesus. Equip us. Equip us to find prayer easier. Thank you, Jesus. Equip us so we rely on prayer more readily. Equip us, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We need your help. Prayer is difficult. We need your help. Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs>